Welcome back to Scouring the Depths, the show where we delve deep into the dark, endless What's What's that? chasm known as heavy music. My name is Joseph. And I'm Nathan. We are your hosts. And we are back, baby. Yeah, boy. After our brief little hiatus taking last week off, um, which I'd say was pretty well earned after the madness yeah uh march really kicked our butts mm-hmm. and uh but at, at the same time you know it was a it was a much needed break you know i feel like we've been doing this pretty consistently for i don't know how how long how many weeks have been going on but it's been a it's been like 20 plus yeah um I believe we're on episode 24 so see so yeah, like 20 yeah 24 weeks yeah pretty much straight yeah and uh <laughs> Well, the tournament certainly was a lot. It was a lot of fun, but, you know, need to need some regroup time, especially when we have uh, another really big miniseries to get to uh, starting today. Hence the uh, the was up. Yeah. Um, we're turning back the clock 20 years to talk about our 20 favorite albums from 2003. A very interesting and weird year for music. Yeah, um, the early 2000s was just weird in general, Right, I feel like, yeah. um, at least in terms of, well, actually, mu- just music in general, honestly, because... The world in yeah, general. <laughs> the, the world was a weird place. Um, mm-hmm. Try uh, Rewind um, a good five to ten minutes ago, and we couldn't... We were trying to figure out words to, to <laughs> put... <laughs> I was looking at 2000s slang terms, and uh, there's not some... a whole lot to work with. No, it's pretty juvenile stuff but yeah <clears throat> anywho was up was a good one even though you know that joke predates like the late 90s early 2000s but yeah. it works for the time it fits it fits yeah. so yeah um i'm excited to talk about 2003 um it's but like we we're saying it's just strange yeah um <laughs> well let's see the truth the, the 2000s um we're following the 90s which, I mean, before then was the 80s, which is, you know, that was when traditional heavy metal and thrash really took over. That was kind of what they were remembered for. The 90s was remembered for the rise of death metal and black metal. Yep. And then towards the end of that decade... A lot of death metal kind of picked up. Yeah, like mid to late 90s, I'd say, is yeah. when that began. And then there was some good offshoots of that that mm-hmm. eventually went into like a new wave of american heavy metal right but before that <laughs> yeah before that um yeah something happened where uh certain labels that at one point in time were you know uh very reliable sources for really great uh extreme metal releases like earache and roadrunner um essentially uh pivoted towards making or encouraging their artists and signing other artists that were more uh commercially viable right yeah yeah and that definitely uh Mm. made a dent on uh heavy music as a whole making it more commercial and more accessible uh definitely changed things for the worst uh (laughs) for the most part yeah i I would i would have to agree um but it's also interesting because I, i feel like and this goes all the way back to like my the first episode, mm-hmm. but like thinking about that time period, 
that was that was a time period when I was starting to listen to kind of heavier stuff. Yeah. Um, I wasn't listening to a lot of the bands we're going to talk about today, right. per se. Um, <clears throat> took a little bit of some years to get to that. Mm-hmm. But I would say, like, you know, um, a few years after 2003, like maybe like 2005 or something along those lines. Yeah. Is when I really discovered a lot of the, the, the these aforementioned, like, things that we were, we're going to mention, like, you know, new metal related mm-hmm. things or, you know, uh, things that I, I kind of regret now um <laughs> i mean we've but, all been there but it was is, is a crucial step in our music journey yeah because <clears throat> you know those were the artists that were getting the airtime on you know uh like channels that aired music videos it was you know there you unless you watched like headbangers ball on mtv2 which was like you know maybe like friday nights on uh you know, like a deeper cable network, Mm -hmm. you weren't going to see like extreme metal videos on TV. Um, Which I bring that up because I was very much, this was around the time that I was really starting to become more conscious of music because I was watching VH1 and MTV and especially Fuse and watching a lot of music videos at this time. Mm -hmm. And that was how I sort of kind of had my taste begin to take shape because, uh, you know, I was still like a few years younger than you, mm-hmm. not to rub it in or anything, but. Well, it's okay. I got my AAA card and oh, yeah. you know, my Roth IRA started. So mm-hmm. a couple more years, buddy. Damn. <clears throat> um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's what makes 2003 kind of crucial for me because I rem- I have very distinct memories of seeing bands on those networks like uh like foo fighters like uh, evanescence yeah that was huge um, yeah yeah um corn uh slipknot yeah slipknot. i mean that was that would be like the heavier kind of popular right mm-hmm. yeah uh and like you know your pop punk like all american rejects fallout boy Fall green out day boy. green day was huge and the early 2000s yeah so uh yeah that's a time that i think is very hard to really imagine right now because it's so different as to like how people are exposed to music these days um seeing that on television seeing like shows like trl being such a big deal uh it's uh it's really interesting to kind of think about again uh, looking back on this year. Yeah. And, and, and we're going to probably talk about it a lot in our choices that we have and kind of the adjacent spaces that a lot of these artists that we'll talk about were like, Hey, this is maybe my favorite artist out of this particular sound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what, that's what's going to happen uh, a couple of times with um, yeah. this time period. And I feel like a lot of the bands I have on my list, there's, there's a lot of like, there's some debut albums this year, yeah. like the, you know, um, so strange to think about that time, you know, because like you're saying, there's, it was like a completely different world. It was. <clears throat> so um, Internet. I mean, we didn't even have YouTube then. No, we were almost at that ground, point. Newground and <laughs> yeah. we had a bunch of Flash Player and a lot of those other. Yeah. Like uh, video streaming services, but like it wasn't really 
it wasn't uh it wasn't anything like what we have now <laughs> no not even no yeah we were just getting out of dial up then <laughs> right yeah um another big thing was uh tower records i don't know if you had one of those uh near you no we didn't i did not yeah that was uh <laughs> i wouldn't say i had one like close by but you know in adjacent cities near where i lived there was a few locations and yeah going there and browsing the cds uh and seeing like all these bands that i had seen music videos for was something that like i really enjoyed and got me excited about music probably for the first time in my life so yeah it's a really mm-hmm. it's a really interesting time for me uh well like to jump into like a pretty similar thought was i i was I was getting more into collecting just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always, I've always collected stuff and we've yeah. talked about that, but I remember going to places like Sam Goody and um, you know, there's other like FYE at the time, even um, there was things like that, that were like, I wanted to collect VHSs, CDs were a thing like you're saying, um, you know, this, I want to say this was around the time that I, like I started getting, a little bit further into classic rock too. Mm-hmm. Like I bought my own CDs, like more Pink Floyd CDs, Led Zeppelin, yeah. um, you know, but like, obviously I still listened to the green days, the fallout boys around this time period, because, you know, I was like, well, this is what's popular, but at the same time I'm going through changes cause I'm a teenager in this time period. Yeah. And so it, it made sense to me. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's why it's so to this day, like people of our generations, like are so connected to those bands still yeah and have so much nostalgic feelings towards them and like you know you have like the rise of like emo night and like these sorts of like big events that people of our generation go to because they have those distinct memories of those specific bands and that specific like pop punk emo sound Um, i like to call it perpetually 13 (laughs) and that's a that's a little bit of an insult but yeah, you know, I mean, uh, there's a, there's there's way too many people who are like my my favorite band is Blink One Eighty Two, and I'm like, what? you can like Blink One Eighty Two, you can like <laughs> songs by them, but your favorite band is Blink One Eighty Two. What? Yeah, you're, I'm I'm roasting. Yeah, all the perpetually thirteen. Um, that's what I'm going to call that genre. <laughs> this is where I'm I'm going to become a complete asshole. So damn, look out. <laughs> Yeah, watch watch your favorite, uh, Good Charlotte. You're not you're you're gonna be attacked. Every one um, of my favorites back <clears throat> in this time and Simple Plan. Yeah, but, Yellow Card was huge then. <sighs> anyway, mm-hmm. perpetually thirteen. Just remember that, people. Spread right. the word. Make the make it a genre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, today we're talking about fun stuff, though. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think I kind of overwhelmed myself a little bit by putting together a huge queue of things to listen to (laughs) some that I had known about already. Some that were, you know, more like gems from um, death metal bands that I had only heard about until like recently that had material out at this time that I wanted to check out. But yeah, I kind of overwhelmed myself a little bit. So I definitely did not get to listen to as much as I would have liked, but I still have a pretty solid group to, talk about in this first first episode in this countdown yeah i i had a similar um you know uh thing that happened to me where maybe it, it may, i only had a couple albums where i've just kind of recently discovered but i was like oh 
this came out then. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've heard of this and I want to listen to it. So there are a couple of those, but I would say that a good, a good number of my picks today, at least will be nostalgic, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like, Hey, uh, I, I still enjoy this to an extent. I just wouldn't put it on as much as I used to. Right. <clears throat> but if it was on, if it was turned on, you know what? I'll listen to it. Yeah. So, but uh, that's only for like the, the back half of this list. Right. But, um, but no, I mean, they're still great. I mean, that's why we're talking about our favorite albums of 2003. So yeah, it's nice <clears throat> when something still holds up yeah. 20 years later. So, but um, for people who are following along, we're uh we would love to hear kind of some of your favorites from 2003 or some memories i guess yeah um <clears throat> let us know what you think of uh heavy music from this time uh what you were what you were into at this time for those of you who were alive back then um <laughs> uh yeah let us know over at scouring pod on instagram and on twitter uh yeah, we're, we're very curious to see what you guys think. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see what everyone can collectively bring uh, to the table. And, and I can count, you know, how many people are going to be in the perpetually 13 category. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Fighting words. I'm just going to be fighting the whole time. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, you got any fi- anything else before we jump into uh, is this least? <clears throat> I don't believe so. I think it's time we just have at it. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about uh, numbers 20 through 11. Yeah. Our first half of our lists. And then next week we'll be getting into the first bit of our top tens. And then at the end of this month, we'll go through our top fives. Yeah. Should be fun. We'll see who comes out on top. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what both of our lists end up looking like oh it's going to be very different <laughs> i can already sense that yeah for sure so uh do you want to do the honors i always feel like i always start so i would like to hear your number 20 okay. first we can switch things up this time How about do it that? all right so my number 20 is definitely a pick that is you know my it's kind of my one like nostalgia pick out of all of these because you know, at the time when I was listening to music, being just a little bit younger, um, I was listening to a lot more mainstream, perpetually, uh, <laughs> forever young. I feel like that's less insulting. We can call it forever young genre. I'm still going to call it perpetually 13. Yeah, but yeah. I, you can Spiteful, you can do... cold-hearted man. <laughs> <laughs> you said cold, old man, right? Cold-hearted, old man? Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. When I was growing up around this time... I was maybe, well, I don't know if I want to actually date myself, but I was young. We'll just go with that. <laughs> um, I had two favorite CDs at this time. One of them was an album that came out the year prior. Uh, Some 41, Does This Look Infected? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pop punk, but slightly a little bit heavier. They have some some kind of thrash. There's some bangers songs. on yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I enjoy I could still go back to that album and listen to it and have fun with it but it's definitely I don't know if it is like good necessarily (laughs) Um, but the other one is my number 20 and that is Linkin Park Meteora nice nice Um, I've seen a few of the 
I saw a few of the music videos for these songs on Fuse and on those other networks that I had mentioned before. And I really liked them because it seemed like they were playing like, you know, um, like the hard rock kind of uh, like, I guess, new metal style. But it seemed like they were a little bit more mature, a little bit more like heartfelt and emotional. And I felt like I was really drawn to that even as a kid when I didn't really like recognize that really. Um, But yeah, I remember getting this CD. um, I remember loving it and listening to it a ton. Um, And then going back to it for this list, I wasn't sure what I would make of it because it had been a very long time since I had heard this album. And so, um, yeah, I, put it on just like, all right, let's, uh, let's just kind of tear this bandaid off or whatever. But I honestly, I came away from it having a really good time listening to this album. I had a blast. And, um, I think it holds up extremely well for this style. Um, I think the influence that this band and this album has on other bands, like a lot of current, like popular metalcore bands, especially, um, I think, that influence really shines through when you go back and listen to Meteora. But uh, yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised by how well this album holds up. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, um, spoiler alert for people, but this did not make my list, but um, this is definitely one of the best new metal records of yeah. this time. And I agree with you. I, I, you know, it's it, Lincoln Park is not really a band. I really like. I, I fell in love with them around this time, mm-hmm. and and I was around them, and uh, would watch like anime music videos around this time, and yeah. and, and things like that. And, yeah, Faint is a good like hype song for sure. Yeah, yeah, and it was it, it's a great record. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, now now I'm thinking about it. I'm like maybe I should have put it in like the the back half of my my list too because. Huh? But anyway, uh, be an honorable mention. It could be my honorable mention. So there you go. Yeah, Miura is a, is a, is definitely if you're gonna listen to a Lincoln Park album, I, I would recommend that one. Yeah, I think it's the one that you'll leave the the most satisfied. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's some great songs on here. Um, like I like faint. Like I mentioned, uh, somewhere I belong is great. Um, Hit the floor is probably the heaviest song on here. Uh, easier to run, honestly, sounds like uh, like it could sort of like what I was saying about like the like modern day metalcore influence. Like I feel like a song like uh, like easier to run. I could totally see like a band like Spirit Box like covering or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, um, just a really solid album that still holds up to this day um coming from a scene and style like this i feel like that's kind of rare <laughs> but uh yeah it's a it's a good one for sure well nice man uh that's a good choice and uh yeah i second that so well um my number 20 is uh also a nostalgic kind of pick of sorts mm-hmm. and uh it is one of a band that is kind of notorious now at least the front man is 
um, because of what he attempted to do, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, and if anyone knows what I'm talking about, you could probably guess it's as I lay dying. Um, so this was their fr- this is their um, second album, not their debut, but this was Frail Words Collapse, and uh, this came out you know um, a year before, or actually a year or two before, um, like the album that really solidified my love of this band, which is Shadows Are Security, and then they got really big with An Ocean Between Us, and I think those are my two favorite records from them. Hmm. But this one, this one has like a really special quality to it because it it feels like so youthful, and it also feels like it's still pretty like they didn't learn how to like really craft their instruments just yet. But the, like you could tell that they were getting there, mm-hmm. and I I like that raw nature of the album because yeah. the debut album, the one before this, was just not so good, <laughs> just a bunch of kids, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, I, I feel like they were starting to pick up things, you know, and it really showcases that off with like the first track on it, nine to four, 94 out hours, which uh, I remember watching the music video of. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a wild time to think about, um, yeah. uh, going back to this, this spot, but like it, it really was just a really, um, a fun record and it wasn't my introduction to this band because I, you know, like I said, I, I think an ocean between us was probably my, my introduction to them um, in t- kind of the mid to late two thousands. Mm-hmm. But going back to this kind of stuff, it just makes me think of like that time period. Um, and it really just gives me a little bit more nostalgic for that, that metal core, like that early metal core sound that like things like Unearth, which they're not going to be on this because an oncoming storm was 2004. You know, and things along those lines where yeah. like I really like that sound. Yeah. Um, God forbid would be another band that was was big around this time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that that's the kind of stuff that I enjoyed around this period of, of music. And so but you know, uh like Joey was saying, there's a couple of songs on here that I really liked forever. Um, which is the third track on here, um, is, is great. Uh, Undefined is one that I really enjoy as well. And then also like the final track, Elegy, uh, is a, is a great, um, great thing. But there's 12 tracks here, which is quite a bit um, for, you know, yeah. uh, an album like this. But what about your kind of history with Azalea Dying? Did you enjoy them at all before? I remember listening to them a little bit back in like, uh, you know, a little bit later on getting more into like my metalcore days um but i don't really recall them being one of the standout bands for me and i think then the whole uh tim lambesis scandal happened and then that kind of drew me away from them really just because that was just such a strange and disturbing thing to hear right. about and that's fair yeah but uh yeah i have a similar band on my list that we'll get to shortly which will be interesting to hear your thoughts on. Yeah. So I, I do recommend people. I mean, if you, if you are curious, I, I do recommend people listening to a few of the, this band's film, like discography, like those three, I just mentioned um, the second album, the second, third and fourth. That really, those are really are like the, I think the best uh, things they did yeah. um, personally. So um, but yeah. Um, yeah. I tried to, not think about too many too many things but that's my number 20 okay yeah i'm I'm interested to go back especially like kind of looking back on that whole um 2000s metalcore or american wave or 
new wave of American heavy metal, that whole style. It's interesting to look back on right now, I think. Yeah. So what's your number 19? My number 19 is one that you might be surprised is this low. But I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Maybe. I honestly don't know. We'll see. We'll see if this is a shocker or expected. 19 is Edge of Sanity Crimson 2. Oh, nice. Yeah. But also, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the? Yeah. Yeah. Again, I still think this album is very good. I like it quite a bit. Um, I think it's a, you know, it's a worthy follow-up to Crimson. Um, But, you know, that's kind of the thing with, with sequels sometimes. You're always kind of measuring them up to what came before. Um, granted, this one could definitely move up with uh, repeat listens or actually delving into what the continuation of the story is from the first album. But the main thing that I think is kind of a detractor for me and my personal taste is just this album sounds a lot more polished compared to the first one, in my opinion. I, I I like the rawness of the first Crimson a lot, and I think some of that edge is kind of lost here, but it makes sense considering, you know, the difference in eras that the first album was released in. Um, but yeah, I, I still like it a lot, but I think that's just why it ended up being down here instead of in the top 10. I think that's fair. Um, you know, uh, I'm not as familiar with Crimson 2 as I'd like to be. Mm -hmm. Um, because like, you know, like you were kind of saying, I, I just kind of always go back to like, if I, a band like that, I like, I I like to listen to the, 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 the albums really like speak to me. And I feel like, feel like the first Crimson, I mean, really does that. So I've only really heard, I feel, I, you know, I'm shocked to say, but I probably have only heard this two or three times. Oh. all the way through but um but yeah no i love this band and um i do wish it was probably higher um it's not on, it's not on my list but oh all right then. i don't know so maybe i should stop saying that maybe <laughs> maybe i should well i mean that's more maybe even more surprising to me yeah but uh there you have it there you go <laughs> i guess we gotta start the show so <laughs> Okay. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's that's a that's a good choice, though. You know, still still you know going strong. Yeah. So, so my number nineteen is another band that I used to love quite a bit. In fact, this is another uh, album I would probably say is probably like my third favorite from them, uh, and that is Machine Head with Through the Ashes uh, of Empires. Oh. And uh, I'm I'm huge into uh, the Blackening and 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 Halo, um, which are the the albums that would come after this. But I really do feel like Machine Head, they they had a new metal phase, <laughs> and uh, this is the album that like kind of curbed that. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, I I like this <laughs> because they're kicking that phase out. Yeah. Um, and they were, you know. Uh, bucking the trend a little bit and getting a little bit more into that that you know that thing we were just talking about like that new wave of american like it was more thrash oriented it was more because machine head they're really known for like pinch harmonics riffs 
things along those lines. And at the time, like Rob Flynn was something that I, I mean, I really enjoyed the types of music that he would create. So, um, but with this one in particular, you know, um, it was, uh, it was a band that, uh, you know, had really, really figured out kind of what their, what the trajectory of where they were going. Mm-hmm. And I can respect that. So things along that line, you know, thinking about like Imperium and, uh, you know, bite the bullet. Uh, these are the things that I really started thinking about, uh, while I was listening to them. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I was really into groove metal and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff in this early stage of my, yeah, like metal, like and heavy music listening. And so I feel like machine head were definitely one of those bands that I like gravitated towards pretty quickly, mm-hmm. uh, went on, on my journey and I've seen them a couple times live. So nice. they're, they're a lot of fun. So even though I don't really listen to them anymore. So gotcha. Yeah. Um, machine head. They're not a band I've really listened to yet. Um, but, you know, lately I've become a little bit more curious than I have in the past. I think a big problem <laughs> for me is that I keep getting them mixed up with Mushroom Head. <laughs> also came out in 2003 and also something I thought about. I'm like, oh, there's a pretty good banger in that particular. <laughs> yeah, so I sometimes hear Machine Head and I think about like the other masked band that wasn't slipped on it. Yeah, like, the, mm. the one that's a little closer to ICP. Yeah. So... And hey, like I said, there's a couple songs by Machine by Mushroom Head. See, I just did it. That I I'm like, you know, I kind of like if I if it was put on, if it was I didn't, you know, choose it, but if somebody played it, I was like, okay, I know this. Kind of fuck with it. I kind of fuck with it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Machine Head. Um, this is definitely not the album I would recommend people listen to. Um, out of their you know discography, I always say filmography, but anywho. It's definitely worth a listen, and uh, it's it's nice to hear them kind of change their sound. Interesting. So, yeah, number eighteen. Yeah, I have, to, have to go back 19, and 19. <laughs> give that a listen. All right, number eighteen for me is a grindcore band called Nazem with Helvet. Um. Not a whole lot really to say about this album, just other than the fact that it is just uh, just extremely well-executed grindcore. Um, this band usually gets talked about as one of the best grindcore bands, uh, if not of all time, then, you know, of this era uh, of like the, the 21st century or whatever. Um, yeah, they have... Some other records in their discography that are also very acclaimed, like uh, Shift and Human 2.0. But uh, yeah, this one just delivers exactly what you want from a grind album. It's it's heavy, it's fast, it's intense. Uh, It has some really killer breakdowns and some some devastating moments. Um, Yeah, it's uh, it's great. And uh, I'm looking forward to listening to this band more because... I've needed to for a while to really dive into their discography, but yeah, I was impressed. Yeah. I, uh, I need to listen to them more myself because, uh, I'm actually not familiar with this one. Yeah. Um, but I, I do know the band and I've liked what I've heard so far, but I need to still jump in. So yeah. Yeah. Well, good pick there. Yeah. Thank you. 
Well, I guess number 18 for me mm-hmm. is another blast from the past, but then again, also one that wasn't, didn't get as big, didn't get as popular as I thought they, they, they should, but I'm talking about the band Norther. Oh, um, which Norther, I, I'm going to, it's hard to say, first of all, <laughs> North or like Norther. Okay. Um, it is like Children of Bodom and Kalma of the Finnish variety, the melodic death metal uh-huh. that was around this time period. Um, with a lot of, you know, it was like the Finnish take on that, that in flames, dark tranquility stuff that we're hearing. But like, instead of, you know, like going all over the place, the guitars were really highlighted, like really, really highlighted. And like, there were like, there was riffs and there were like, it was Norther. They had two uh, kind of, uh, lead guitarists and they were just kind of it almost felt like a duel like the entire time um but then also like in the northern like landscape that just like had this icy hail like hellscape mm-hmm. and that's what it felt like and so and listening to stuff like this was really cool in fact i had a really hard time trying to find this cd yeah i remember <clears throat> trying to look for the cd back when i worked at the record store because that's when i kind of discovered them so it was pretty late compared to i obviously in 2003 did not know who these band this band was but going all the way you know fast forward to like 20 you know 12 2013 something like that i discovered them and i was like okay i need to listen to this band more um so yeah but uh like i said like uh, this is a pretty cool finnish uh melodic death metal band and yeah this is definitely one of the albums i recommend uh you listen i think this is their best album it's their second album and uh, I don't think I said it. Mirror of Madness is the uh, album. Sorry yeah. about that. Norther Mirror of Madness from 2003. Um, it's it's a great, great album. There's a lot of really surprising things. I think if anything, you know, from my list surprises you, this might be the one that like will surprise you. Like being like, oh, that was actually pretty good. So I hope um, I hope if you like melodic death metal, Norther Mirror of Madness, that's one to check out. Nice. <clears throat> yeah, I remember you... Uh... You mentioned them to me when uh, after we wrapped up doing our Mellow Death Essentials, if we were to go back to doing like a melodic death metal series on some like lesser known bands and albums, that was one that you'd like to cover. So it's a good chance we'll be talking about them more in depth in the future. Insert guitar riff. Mm. All right. Are you ready for number 17? Yeah. <laughs> My number 17 uh, was the aforementioned band, sort of similar to As I Lay Dying. This is Chimera with the Impossibility of Reason. Album so good. Yeah, it is. It's very, very good. I like it a lot. Um, the reason why I had to... Had to listen to this one in preparation for making this list was because um i remember specifically seeing it highlighted as a big influence on the uh the newest uh, judiciary album flesh and blood um they you know they made a point to like highlight this album as like a big influence on their latest record when they announced it and so i was like oh okay interesting uh like a 2000s album was like kind of shouted out like that. And it's like kind of a deeper cut. I thought that was really interesting. And so I went back and I definitely hear that like sort of 
comparison to that new judiciary record, which I love. Um, it also reminded me a lot of another recent metalcore album or hardcore album that I dug that came out like a few months ago, like at the very, very tail end of 2022, like at the very end of December, it just got like dropped out of nowhere. But the newest album by Eternal Sleep, uh, Desperation Blues, which I I love that album. I think it was great. It could have easily made my top 20. Um, but yeah, similarly to this album, it has like those, you know, metalcore elements, those groove metal elements, and like a little bit of like those clean vocals just kind of thrown in there um, every so often. Uh, very like kind of Alice in Chains sort of oh, like, yeah. harmonies in there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised to hear like aspects of some recent bands that I like found on this album and then like thinking, Oh, this was probably a big influence. Uh, I know for sure on one, but maybe both, but yeah, it just, it just really delivers. It's super heavy and it has that melody and that like those moments of like cleanness and catchiness too. Yeah. I, I might, I might just say that I think this is Chimera's best album, which then there's a couple good Chimera albums. Yeah. So um, definitely a band that people don't really talk about anymore, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I remember really liking this band um, in my like early metalcore days mm-hmm. for sure. So yeah, <clears throat> excellent choice. Yeah. Great stuff. Like uh, <clears throat> pictures in the gold room. Great mm-hmm. song down again. Super catchy eyes of a criminal yeah just top to bottom just really solid tracks so yeah if you like those two uh recent records that i mentioned and haven't heard this definitely go back and give it a spin nice well um we're gonna take a, a crazy detour uh-oh one to the desert Ooh. Um, among a bunch of people um walking in a line smoking a lot of grass Ooh. and i'm talking about sleep with Ooh. Dope Smoker. Yeah. Wow. Anywho, um, yeah, this uh this album is one one track. Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact. Uh, it's like an hour. Yeah. So um yeah. yeah I I actually I, I know um uh, Sleep's Holy Mountain more. That's probably the album I know the most yeah. from this band, and that was ten years prior to this, which is insane. That is weird. Um but yeah. Uh, they came. They came out with Dope Smoker, which is a really like, like this. Probably would be. I'd argue this is their second or well, or most popular album, um, at least commercially. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, no, Sleep is great. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I don't listen to this stuff as much as I used to. And yeah, I wish I did listen to more like stoner rock or stony stoner metal, that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, we talk about High on Fire. Which, yeah, love well, High on Fire. Um, and things along those lines um this one being more on the rock oriented side of things um but yeah no i just really i i dig this album and uh it you know it's 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 cool to see an album like this have one track and have yeah. so many how so much variation like in the just the creativity that they can do within that space is really mm-hmm. cool right and it's just you know <laughs> it feels almost like a gift to stoners basically like just have this so you can be taken on a a wild journey a wild trip (laughs) a wild trip indeed and so 
I don't have to say much, you know, uh, in the creativity of terms of what this album's titled, but I mean, mm-hmm. you can definitely uh, get a little bit blazed and listen to something like this and have a pretty good time. Yeah. So, and that, and that's something that's really cool. I, I love the aspect of like, really, you can focus more on something in a, in a, in a space where if you, if you're inebriated or, you know, high per se, it's, it's something that, you know, it's something you can experience and like almost zone and zone in and out of, yeah. which is really um, unique. And I think that's, what's so cool about listening to music to stuff like this, which is, which is really fascinating. Actually, I think yeah. I, I, I'm interested in that kind of stuff. So even though I don't really do that, mm-hmm. but like, I just think that's just really fascinating. Yeah. It's so. a, I think it's an album that was made to be experienced. Yeah in that mm. way so yeah. so yeah that was my number 17 yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're losing count we're losing track now we lose count immediately okay 16 is where <laughs> joey is on number one. <laughs> oh god <laughs> all right number 16 we have the first death metal album on my list and that one is Extermination Revelry by Drawn and Quartered. Um, Drawn and Quartered, they're a band that still remains active now. Um, But uh, I remember hearing about them back in 2017 when an album called The One Who Lurks dropped. uh, And that one got a lot of buzz. And then I checked it out and I liked it and then realized, oh, shit, these guys have been along or they've been around for a really long time. And uh, I had not heard their recent or their older material until now. And uh, yeah, this album is very much of the incantation kind of doomy cavernous uh, death metal, the kind that I am, you know, that is it's catnip for me, but pretty much. Um, But yeah, I think this album is just a really great execution of that style. yeah, it, uh, it gives you exactly what you want. And I think it's cool that they're uh, back in 03, they were keeping that torch burning uh, at a time when uh, death metal was pretty phased out. <laughs> uh, not entirely, of course, because of there will always be the underground. But yeah, at a time when there just was no like real focus on death metal, uh, bands like Drone and Quartered and some other ones that I'm going to mention, uh, you know, Kept at it and kept the the sickness going. Hmm. I need to listen to them. I've never I've never heard them. So yeah, um, you would like this album for sure. I was gonna say I, I'm looking at the album cover and I'm like, yep, I would like that. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that's a that's a cool pick. Yeah, yeah. So, um, number sixteen, right? Oh shit. <laughs> Twenty nineteen. 18, 17, 16. Yeah. 16. <laughs> he, he forgot. Okay. So we're going to talk about another metalcore band. And this is actually one of the best metalcore bands uh, to ever exist. Yeah. And, and I unfortunately have to say that in the past tense because this band's not a thing anymore, oh. which really sucks. Um, but I'm talking about every time I die with hot damn. Hot damn. Hot damn. Um, now, weirdly enough, I know there's probably a lot of people out there who think, um, that this might be one of their best albums. 
it's not necessarily one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, it's definitely one of the weaker ones for me, at least. And I'm talking about the early phase of every time I die. I'm talking about, you know, their their stuff from new junk aesthetic below, like yeah. big dirty, you know, uh, gutter phenomenon. This is kind of more in like their southerny. I mean, they'd always have, would continue to have like a southern bent to their sound, but I think especially this one, it would kind of lean into that even more, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely um, it's really fun too. But like that's that's the reason why I, I've always it's weird because I remember when every time I die I was exposed to me for the first time. I'm just like, yeah, this is not a thing that I like. Um, and I was weirdly enough getting dragged to an every time I die concert uh-huh. that really switched my gears because I, I had my, my good friend, Justin, who used to go to a lot of shows with, and he really loved this band. And I just remember, uh, I want to say it was probably around new junk aesthetic when we saw it, like, you know, kind of the late two thousands. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Like it just, it clicked with me. I'm like, okay, yeah, I like this a lot. And uh, yeah, then I went back and obviously ever since, and I actually think they just got better and better, obviously. So for sure. Um, but yeah, this stuff like Hot Damn, you know, it's it's a fun album. And I really like, uh, you know, even like that first track with uh, Romeo Agogo, um, you know, and just jumping and, and going all over the place with um, so much stuff in here. Um, you know, I, I really like um, the last song on here is Pornog pornography therapy uh which is a great uh title first of all yeah um but yeah no there's a lot of really fun songs in this uh like floater uh wrong and uh like i said romeo gogo um yeah it's just a really fun album and i you know it's something i actually i think i might on the way home i might listen to this because it's it's probably a fun driving album yeah um i imagine yeah i just don't want to speed you know that's that's the name of the game problem yeah but every time I die, fantastic band. Gonna miss them a lot. Um, yeah, I do too. Never got to see them live. Yeah, bums they, me out. They were great. Um, but yeah, no, I I recommend this album, and I, I do recommend. I I pretty much recommend every every time I die album. Uh, I mean, there's probably a few in there that are a little bit more lackluster, but you know, regardless of whatever you spend, it's gonna be a fun time. Right. So, hot damn, great album. Hot damn. Hot damn. Number 16. So now we're on to number 15. I'm counting for Joey. Thank you. Number mm. 15. Another one that you may be surprised is as low as it is for me. Um, we have the self-titled album from Deftones. Number 15. I'm not as surprised because yeah. they, they barely made it off my list. And so, and because this, yeah. But I, yeah. Anyway, Deftones by Deftones. <laughs> Deftones by Deftones. Uh, it's mm. their follow-up to their biggest album that they've ever made white pony so you know following up an album as successful and as big as that can be kind of taxing for some bands um a lot of bands don't even really make it past that point to even make a follow-up like we talked about how at the gates (laughs) broke up after slaughter of the soul because they felt like the idea of trying to make something that would top that was just too too much for them Yeah. yeah um there's still some really great songs on this record. Uh, like Minerva is probably the most well-known. Uh, I like Battle Axe quite a bit. Bloody Cape is really heavy. Um, but yeah, it 
the thing that I love about this band is how on their records they could have songs that all feel distinct. Um, like, you know, that's the case for Koi no Yokan or Diamond Eyes. Um, it's like every track feels like it has like a new element to the whole piece. And I feel like a lot of songs on this album just kind of feel, I don't know, they just kind of feel a little too basic in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, songs on here, they would have other songs that they would put out later on or songs from White Pony that kind of do the same thing, but better. And, um, you know, I just think that uh, compared to their greatest work is just kind of a step down, but it's still really good. It's still right. a band that I love and there's still, like I said, plenty of songs on here that I enjoy. But uh, yeah, that's that's that one. Yeah, I, mean, I would say they're arguably the best new metal band yeah, like period to the point where like I I don't even think of them as, as new metal. In right, my mind. right. <laughs> but around this yeah. time, it was definitely more like that. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah no, uh, it's a it's a great album, and um, but like you said, I, I agree. I think it's it definitely falls a little bit short to a lot of the other albums that they have put out. Yeah. So, um, and I and honestly, that's like a running theme for like this back half of the list is like there's a lot of good albums but i really don't feel like it's the the album that submitted these bands yeah so anyway yeah that's just another reason why this year is so weird weird yeah um so now we're to number four no 15 now it was your job it was my job (laughs) okay number 15 it's my job um (laughs) we're gonna talk about the debut album of another band uh luckily that is still going on and we're actually about to go see them uh, in their new iteration, um, unfortunately, because of the passing of Trevor Strand. Oh. And I'm talking about Black Dolly Murders on Hallowed, which is their debut album. Um, and now on Hallowed is a fantastic debut album. In fact, if you want to talk about consistency, Black Dolly Murder has been consistent throughout their entire career. Well, yeah. um, like like I, I would argue that Deflerate, which is their fourth album, is my like my least favorite and it's still good mm-hmm. <laughs> um but anyway uh, on Hall- on hallowed came out like with a punch yeah and like it's got like this weird metalcore-ish tinge and deathcore tinge to it because deathcore was kind of uh, getting an identity around this time um and was becoming a thing but they also had that that melodic death metal sound that they eventually carried on and made that like a much more pronounced influence yeah. so there's a lot more core elements in this kind of stuff but mm-hmm. unhallowed was just fantastic um it's crazy because you know um i feel like they blew up pretty much almost immediately yeah and uh it's just wild to me thinking about a band like this and just they just were on so many things like vans warp tour like they were always the like the black sheep of that tour because mm-hmm. they were the the ones who were like, yeah, we're the heaviest band on this tour, yeah. like, and because they were like the death metal kids, the weirdos, the right. you know, and I I, I don't know, I, I just love that about them. And then also like, if you've ever watched any kind of interview with all the band members, they're just big goofballs, mm-hmm. like all of them. Um, but anyway, um, on Hallowed, like, starts off with that track. It's fantastic, you know, it kicks you kicks you right in the in the nuts. Um, 
I really like Blackest Incarnation, Him to the Wretched, and even Apex, the last track on this record. Um, there's a lot of really fantastic stuff on here, and I don't know. I just I just love this band, and and I can't wait to see them again. Um, and uh, yeah, Unhallowed is a phenomenal debut record. So Hell yeah, you awesome. ever heard this one? I haven't gone this far back yet, <clears throat> but I definitely should, and yeah. uh, I plan on it. I think you'd dig it. Yeah. All right, number fourteen. Number 14, we have another death metal band. This is one that uh, I feel like is kind of getting a little bit of a resurgence lately. Because, you know, obviously they've been around for a while. Um, they just had an album come out in like 2020, I believe. Um, but yeah, lately I've just heard a lot more people talking about them and... Uh, there's a lot more death metal bands that are incorporating more of a like a brutal death style into their more mainstream streamlined death metal. But uh this band is Deeds of Flesh and the album is Reduced to Ashes. Um to describe this band sound at least on this record it's very much of the uh Cannibal Corpse uh suffocation deicide variety of death metal where you know have the really catchy riffs in there but it'll also just have these like super fast almost technical parts that just come out of nowhere and then they'll just have like these really crushing grooves and breakdowns in there as well um yeah it's just all of those elements all of those different influences just kind of converge and coalesce into this record that i think is just really fun really satisfying um I could see some people not really liking the production on it, but it didn't really bother me necessarily. But uh, yeah, I, I loved this. I had a lot of fun listening to this album, and I'm excited to check out more of this band's material. Um, if we do a Brutal Death Essentials miniseries, I think we'll definitely have to cover this band's work, either uh, Inbreeding the Anthropophagi or Path of the Weakening. Hmm. I've uh I've only heard a few tracks from this band. I haven't really listened to them much, but that album looks great. Just on the cover yeah. alone. I know I said that earlier, but um just based on what you're you know saying, it sounds like something that would be right up my alley now. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, sounds like a good good choice. Yeah, it's a good time for sure. So we're now to number fourteen? Yeah. Yeah. So my number 14 is a strange one and it's one of the strangest albums on my list and one that is a band that doesn't really get talked about as much anymore because they were like huge back then. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about the band Sixth with the album The Trees Are Dead and Dried Out Wait for Something Wild, Whoa. which is a really fantastic metalcore record. Interesting. Um, that the best way I can describe this is it feels very... Um, uh, what's the word i'm trying to think of the um it sounds like it, it feels like if you have voices in your head this is what would schizophrenic schizophrenic yeah that's the word um this is a very schizophrenic sounding record oh. and that's what makes it so unique there's a lot of really creative choices on this record um both in terms of like the the, the tool the two vocalists kind of like i said like their voices side of things but then also the instrumentation just like it, it plays into that so there's a lot of really interesting and creative uh, takes on this uh, this style, but like that's that's it is probably like 
the closest to like that Lincoln Park, even though this, that's a po- really poor comparison. <laughs> but it, it does have more of like a, a Lincoln Park or corn okay. kind of new metal tinge to it. But it's not overbearing and it, it feels very well placed. Um, and it, it's more in the like the, the delivery of the vocals of like it almost seems like a rap in, in some instances. But this is a yeah, this is a record that was really creative and it, was, it has some really beautiful moments in it that like are super surprising. So, uh, you know, I mentioned Norther as a surprise, but if anyone's listening, if you haven't heard Sixth, you need to listen to their first album. Um, like, cause holy shit, it's, it's still fantastic. Um, nice. S I K T H you're wanting to spell that. So, um, yeah, this record's fantastic. And you know, this is a band that only put out three records. They kind of went away after their second record. They came back with the third, not that long ago, maybe like seven or eight years ago. But, um, anyway, yeah, it's, a uh, this, this debut album is really fantastic. I highly recommend it. Nice. So, yeah. It sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. It's a wild one, that's for sure. All right, moving on to my number 13. You had to verify it as he was saying it. Yep. It's a, you know, this one's kind of an outlier in in the list so far, I think. Um, I'd probably describe this band more as punk rock more than anything. Um, Or I guess garage punk, but they're definitely rowdy. Uh, rowdier in a sense that uh, they could definitely play with like some hardcore bands for sure. Uh, and this is the debut album by the Bronx, which is uh, self-titled or the Bronx one. Um, yeah. Uh, this band I had heard of and I had listened to a little bit here and there, but yeah, I just went ahead and checked this out on a whim just because it was just like a 25 minute album. And I was just like, Oh, I can fit that in and uh, (laughs) I can fit that in. Yeah. Honestly, I was very uh, surprised by how enjoyable I found this record to be. Um, If I were to describe their sound and their vibe, I would say it would, they're the kind of band that you could see opening for Queens of the stone age. And I could, you could see them headlining a show that was opened by every time I die. That kind of, I think kind of shows like they're sort of rowdy, kind of heavier side but it's also like they're fun like kind of you know you can you can bar, have a good time like dive bar rock yeah sound too um but yeah they're still still going to this day i think they just did a tour with drug church last year um which again that also makes us sense for like a band that they would share the stage with um but yeah uh if any of that sounds appealing to you definitely check them out it uh, sounds appealing to me. Yeah. I love both those bands you mentioned. Yeah. They're a good time. Yeah. The Bronx. I got to listen to the Bronx. I haven't, I haven't listened to them yet. So anyway, this is a poor New York accent. So apologies to everyone who is in the Bronx. Anywho. Sorry. Um, we're, we're sorry. Uh, number 13. Lucky number 13 mm-hmm. is uh, one of my favorite bands of all time. Oh. It's their second album. Oh, shit. And I'm talking about Cult of Luna's The Beyond. Nice. Um, yeah, Cult of Luna, as I've probably already gushed enough about when we talked about uh, albums of the year mm-hmm. um, last year. Man, I love this band. Like, and every time I listen to them, 
And the time we saw them, like, I just, I can't stop gushing about them. Like, I just love them so much. Anyway, the Beyond, um, this, they're, they're on our earache records, uh, mentioned ah. at, at this time in 2003. Interesting. Um, definitely a very different period for them. Um, they were really kind of still discovering kind of what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. Feel like they were a little bit more on the extreme side of things, kind of in a uh, an ISIS sense, probably still in this in this time period. Um, it's still heavy, slow, but it's not like it's not like doom metal though. Yeah, um, it's definitely you know that's that post metal that we would know, um, but like definitely dirtier and like like uh, in a different like less progressive, sure. you know. Have have uh, a little bit more hardcore in there and sludge, yeah. um, stuff. Anywho, um, you know, uh, bands like Neurosis at this time it would probably be a huge influence on them. But I really like obviously what they do, and I, you know, they, these guys are you know a solid band that likes to put together a, a, a concept and put it all the way through. And I, I think that's what I like so much about Cult of Luna. But with the Beyond, um, you know, this is an album that I actually. Uh, I got the record for this. I remember at at Mills Records in in Kansas City. Nice. Um, and because I saw some some old school Cult of Luna uh, records that they had, like I, I guess repressed and put out, and I'm like, yeah, I, I want to listen to this. Uh, and so uh, that's kind of yeah, it was the first time I really listened to it, uh, which is cool because I don't really get many chances to like buy a record and like listen to it for the first time on record. Yeah, like, that's always fun. So. Um, anyway, and especially for a band that I really like, you know, and feel like I'm discovering this for the first time. So, but anyway, um, you know, enough to say about this is just, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a really solid record from them, but like we have been saying kind of throughout this, it's definitely not their best, but it's definitely the shape of what they would become. Shows promise. Yeah. And I really like, um, a lot of tracks on this record. Um, I would say. Uh, receiver and the watchtower are two of my favorites um in particular i just think um yeah they, they i don't know they just keep you know like the right after the beyond was like one of their like biggest breakout records which was a salvation which i really love um and you know from there it's like somewhere along the highway which we've talked about right would come after that and then they've just gotten better and better you mm-hmm. know so I don't know. Like, I just love this band, and I uh, I think they don't have a weak album in their discography. Just yeah. like I was saying with Black Dahlia, they're very consistent. Uh, they're incredible. So, anyway, check out The Beyond by Cult of Luna. Yeah, nice one. All right, 12. Mm-hmm. My number 12... We are going back to the brutal death metal realm of things. We're talking about a band that we've discussed on the show before. Uh, In a much later uh, album of theirs. But this one is Stop at Nothing. And I am, of course, talking about Dying Fetus. Yeah. (laughs) That's me doing a Cookie Monster impersonation. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know. Dying Fetus, uh, I feel like a lot of the times when people talk about their albums, they are talking about uh, Destroy the Opposition or um, Reign Supreme. Um, 
but I feel after listening to this one again, I feel like this one definitely is towards the top as well. Um, there's just some really fucking heavy songs on this album, <laughs> of course, but you know, like abandon all hope onslaught of malice, like those tracks just go just ridiculously hard as you would expect from this band. But yeah, in ways that just like really made an impression on me. It was like, well, these songs are among my favorite by this band for sure. So yeah, uh, if you like this band and if you haven't heard this album in a while, definitely go back and check it out. I think it is, it could very well end up becoming like my second favorite album of theirs for sure. Wild. Cause I mean that you said exactly it hit the nail on the head. It's been a long time since I've heard this. Mm-hmm. And so I think I need to revisit it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's absolutely worth it. Yeah. It's a great choice and a great band. And, uh, that was one of the first bands that I, uh, I worked a show ah. here locally in Springfield. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. So like uh, a venue that has never had any metal. Hey, let's get dying fetus as our opener <laughs> or like our, our first show. I'm like, yeah. okay. Anyway, this will go well. This what it did. It sure did. Um, it was, it was a fun time. So uh, great band uh, and great record too. So number 12 for me is a band that I, this is the album that really kind of just like clicked for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this is the album that like they really switched gears to. And I'm talking about the Greek death metal band, Septic Flesh, ah. with the album Sumerian Demons. Now, this record is where they really incorporated the orchestral symphonic side of their sound. So, um, you know, this is a, a band that like, you know, a lot of symphonic stuff. And I'm going to get to this. I'm going to get to a lot of symphonic stuff later on mm. in this list. And, and, um, but that was huge around this time too. It wasn't just like metalcore and like there was stuff like that. There was a lot of, a lot of blending of genres, but like, you know, and those blending of drawn genres had a lot of strings and woodwinds and, and a lot of instruments that you wouldn't expect yeah. to be added to this extreme genre. And, um, I think septic flesh is definitely one of the best at it because they really can incorporate that evil sound mm-hmm. of like, like, you know, like a, maybe a Wagner or like a, some kind of Stravinsky, like Stravinsky doing really hard and heavy things like that mixed with like, you know, blast beats and death metal. And, <laughs> and anyway, and just really cool mythology because the septic flesh has always been super into, um, these different, um, you know, mythos, like obviously Sumerian demons, it's in the name. Yeah. Right. So you're looking at um, deities from like one of the first civilizations that ever existed. So anywho, um, yeah, this is a great record. And I, I just love how this, this record opens. It really just, it switches gears from the album that came out before this, which was Revolution DNA. It's crazy to me to think that Sumerian demons is their seventh album, which like, cause they, I mean, they started in 1994 with Mystic, uh, Mystic Places of Dawn, which is also a really great. Uh, honestly, if we have more of a death metal talk, this is an album that could have been talked about in that record, because I'm, because they have an impressive debut. I really like it. Interesting. But it was more of like a death metal album. Yeah. And they eventually evolved into this symphonic death metal band. Um. Yeah. Sumerian Demons. You know, the opening track. Um. Um. 
is just uh, Behold the Land of Promise, which is just like kind of this almost like behemoth uh-huh. kind of opener where it's like it's getting scarier and scarier. And then it goes into the next track into um, Unbeliever, which is like one of the, the leading singles from this record. And um, yeah, just it, it serves it really, really well. And so you can just sense the evil coming from this record. And I, I love that stuff. So as we've discussed, I mean, even last month when we were talking about some of those evil sounding records right. um, that made it very far, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which made me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's, that's another reason why like I love death metal in general is because I can, I can really sense <laughs> something like unpure coming from this. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I love that sound. Yeah. The so, horror. Yeah. Yeah. This is one that's on my queue to listen to. So I'll definitely be checking it out soon. Yeah. I think you dig it. Yeah. So, yeah, Septic Flesh with Sumerian Demons, number nice. 12. All right, so our final pick for this episode before we get to our top 10 next time. Um, my number 11, you know, it's another, uh, it's an album that some would, some might not really think of as metal, really, but I don't know. I think it's heavy enough to to earn its spot on this list. And that is Killing Joke with their self-titled album uh, or Killing Joke 2003, what have you. Uh, Because I believe earlier in their discography they had another self-titled. But yeah, Um, this is a fascinating album to me um, because, you know, in the 80s, Killing Joke were, you know, just a, a post-punk kind of new wavy band. And then all of a sudden at the turn of the century, they got deeper into this darker kind of industrial, uh, almost metal-y sound. And uh, yeah, um, when you think about this time and this era where bands that had previously not dabbled in like that sort of like groove metal uh type of sound or like you know new metal-y type thing or industrial um yeah you know you have bands like slayer that went into that uh at one point in their careers um and among many others uh i think this band probably did the best possible job of transitioning into a sound like that that was uh popular at that time because you know uh the subject matter in these songs is very politically targeted and mindful at a time where you know there's a lot going on obviously um and i think going into like that heavier more abrasive direction really made things even more intense and like made the whole vibe of this album really really like come alive in a way and like yeah the the darkness of it just really like rises up and you know without them the band losing like kind of the weirdness that they had in their earlier material um but yeah i love this record i think it's really interesting and uh incredibly unique and something that shouldn't have worked as well as it did um but yeah so that's my number 11 killing joke i need to listen to that 
um, that band in general more. I would say uh, check out either the album that they would come out with later called Absolute Descent. I think that one is probably an easier one to check out as like a first time listener or, you know, just their earlier material. But mm-hmm. yeah, they're a great band. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, and it's weird that we didn't talk about this at the beginning, but like thinking about this time period, like it was super political. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, I mean, you, you would see things like even like the Dixie Chicks at the time, which mm-hmm. are, are just the chicks now, obviously. Right, right. But, you know, them, Green Day, like it was in pop culture. Yeah. And it yeah. was also in our extreme music. Right. I mean, I was honestly... I mean, like I had said, I haven't really listened to as much as I was wanting to yet, um, which I was kind of surprised, like, huh, I haven't really, I feel like I haven't heard as much uh, of the, like, politically minded stuff that, like I expected to. Yeah, you know. But then I heard this one, and then I was like, oh, okay, it's on this record. And then I, I realized, like, you know, after something like that happens, like it can take a long time for people to really process it and really have their thoughts, like able to have them processed and be able to reinterpret those feelings and like that whole vibe, like a little bit further removed. That's why, you know, you see like Green Day releasing American Idiot in 2004, which, you know, that's obviously a few years after 9-11, but yeah, I think in like that mid two thousands period is when there's a lot more uh, uh, art and stuff made in response to like the the war and nine eleven and everything. Yeah, I mean, you see stuff like um, uh, System of a Down putting yeah. out stuff. Rage Against the Machines was huge then. Right. Like, I mean these these are these are bands that like were putting out stuff that you know had this political tinge to it, even though rage against the machines, obviously it was like the late nineties, but yeah, still leading up to that stuff. Right. Yeah. So anyway, finishing up my list, you actually brought this album up already. Um, uh, my number 11 is my favorite chimera record, the impossibility of reason. Um, yeah, man, like Joey already said it, but like, man, this album just is intense and i love it yeah, like it's, it's like i listened to it the other day in preparation of this and i was like man i forgot how much i love this record like this record is just it just from through to through it's like it's weirdly like my most like i feel like it's like my knuckle dragging like like I, i'm an idiot for like listening to this kind of stuff <laughs> but like i love it like yeah. I, I don't know like it's yeah. just it's one of those things where it's like you get the groove metal down pretty perfectly and it's got that intensity to it where it's like, I don't know, like this is this is definitely, you know, something that um, yeah, I, I can just uh, jam out to. You but, channel your inner Neanderthal. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I love this record. And I, I think, um, you know, I think you hit it on, nail on the head. I, I listen to pictures in a gold room all the time. Like, I love that song. Um, but obviously the, the subtitle track is fantastic. Um, power trip is one that I really oh, yeah. loved growing, growing up. I just always was like, you know, just like just mouth. Fuck your power trip. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, you know, pure hatred de- dehumanizing process is one of my favorite records songs on there too. 
Um, and of course, it, it finishes off with Implements of Destruction, which is also a fantastic uh, track. It's a really long track, too. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, but yeah, no, this uh, this album is really great. And uh, I'm glad that um, that Mark Hunter and the boys are actually back for a second. They're, they've been uh, trying to get like a couple tour dates together because they have been out of the scene for a very long time. Yeah. Because um, they were like all retired, more or less. And so, um, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, impossibility, impossibility of reason. Fantastic record. Recommend checking it out. That's yeah. It. I'm glad uh I'm glad we had one overlap, which I'm sure we'll have a few more uh as we get towards the top of our list. Oh yeah. Which uh speaking of that, next week we'll be going through our picks ten through six uh before we get into the top five at the very end. But yeah, so far this has been really interesting, very fun to talk about this strange time in <laughs> in heavy music. And yeah. to find these sort of hidden gems and kind of look at these bands that were prominent at the time and see how well they they hold up 20 years later. It's very interesting. Yeah. Let us know what uh, some of your, you know, uh, maybe not the, the top 10, but some of your albums that you would uh, would say would be in your top 20. Yeah. You know. uh, just albums from 03 that you like or ones that you have a lot of nostalgia for. Uh, anything like that we're very interested to hear about yeah well thanks so much for your time looking forward to doing this again and uh, make sure to follow us on the socials and on instagram and twitter yep at scouring pod so anyway ciao for now ta-ta